we stand at a crossroads. You know, for many in, throughout your life, there have been those moments where you have had to make those crossroads decisions, those important life-changing destiny decisions that you have. You know, sometimes in life, we, we look back at a decision we made that we thought might have been really inconsequential, but it turns out it shaped who we would be and where we would go. You know, we make so many decisions every day in our life that sometimes those crossroads are a stacking of smaller decisions over a lifetime that really point us in a direction. You know, for the United Methodist Church, we are at one of those crossroads moments. And a decision has to be made about where we are going, specifically as a church. If you don't know, the United Methodist Church is currently uh, splitting. It's a crossroads moment. Decisions are going to have to be made by every Methodist church. And that's where we are. As a, as a local church, as First Methodist, we are going to have to decide about our future. Where are we headed? And we're kind of spending the summer discerning. We're praying and fasting and and uh, asking God to give us discernment about where we're headed in the future. Um, where God is leading us. And the issues that we're facing as a denomination are varied. There's a lot of different issues. But I see primarily three different issues that are dividing us that uh, we have to decide about. And those issues are who is Jesus? Uh, what is the Bible? And what authority does it have? And what is the purpose of the church? And so these are the things we're going to wrestle with in this series, these three big issues. And from our text today, we see the nation of Israel at a crossroads moment. Um, and for Joshua as their leader, the text uh, takes place at the end of the book of Joshua. Joshua has gathered the whole nation together to come together and uh, it's kind of the, the capstone or the climax of the whole book of Joshua uh, as they come together. And for us to understand the significance of this moment for Joshua and the nation of Israel, uh, we have to kind of go back in time. And that's the same thing that, that Joshua does as he's speaking to the nation. In his speech, he takes them back in time. He takes them all the way back to Abraham. And he talks about how God had called Abraham hundreds of years before and he called Abraham to leave his family and to go to the land where he uh, had called him to go the land of Canaan the promised land and that God would uh, pour out his blessing on him that God promised to be his God to protect him he promised to be with him he promised to bless him and in that blessing he would indeed bless the whole world and this was one of those crossroad moments for Abraham what would he do? He ultimately decided to, to trust God and, and leave his home and, and go to Canaan. Uh, and Abraham and his wife, Sarah, they had several of those crossroad moments in their life. Would they, would they trust God or would they take matters into their own hands? And we know some of that story where uh, God had promised them a child, but they took matters into their own hand. But God never reneges on his promise. And he gave Abraham a son through Sarah. You remember the name of that son was Isaac. And then Isaac became the father of Jacob. And Jacob, if you remember his name, means the deceiver. And Jacob really was a deceiver. His whole life was spent deceiving those around him to get the best for himself. 
uh, to try to gain the upper hand. He, and he had a crossroads moment in his life as well. He literally wrestled with God. And, and the question really became, was he going to submit to God and his authority or try to do it on his own? And from this crossroads moment, God renamed Jacob to Israel. And, and it was because Jacob decided he was just going to hold on to God and wasn't going to let go. He was going to trust God. And so Israel would later be the father of the 12 tribes of Israel and ultimately settle the promised land. Well, the, this family, Israel and his family, found themselves ultimately living in the land of Egypt uh, and how that family saved Egypt from a brutal famine. But then there was a new Pharaoh who came to power and decided that these Israelites were not to be trusted and put them to slave labor. And for 400 years, the people of Israel were slaves of Egypt and Pharaoh. But then God called Moses. We remember the story, right? Moses faced a crossroads moment with God. Would he submit to God and lead the people out of Egypt? Or would he go and hide in the wilderness. And it took more than a, a gentle prodding by God to convince Moses to lead the people. And in the dramatic plagues that God put on the Egyptians, Pharaoh finally relented and let the people go. But not before pursuing them to the edge of the, the Red Sea. It was another crossroads moment for the nation of Israel. And God, in another dramatic display of power, he, he parted the Red Sea and the people crossed over on dry land. It was an amazing moment with God. And then the people of God wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because at another crossroads moment, they decided to do what they wanted to do instead of trusting in God. They were supposed to take the land, but they were afraid. They're afraid to go into the land and to trust God. So then 40 years later, Moses was handing over the mantle of leadership over to Joshua. And again, they stood at a crossroads moment right on the Jordan River as they finally decided to do what God told them to do 40 years ago when they entered into the promised land. And we again see the dramatic parting of the river, the Jordan River this time as the people walk over into the promised land on dry ground. That was that crossroads moment. God, uh, and then the Israelites, they were faced with their first city, Jericho, and he told them to, to conquer. And so God had told them to take over this whole land, starting with Jericho. And the whole book of Joshua tells the story of how the nation took over this promised land and how they conquered. And we see moments when the people stand at that crossroads and they do what God tells them to do and other times when they stand at a crossroads moment and they decide to do what they want to do with disastrous results. And so here we are at the end of the book of Joshua. The people have conquered the land. They have seen the faithfulness of God. And Joshua is really facing the end of his life here on earth. And so here is this kind of farewell speech that Joshua is giving to the people of God as he's gathered them together. And he's reminding them. He's reminding them of everything that God has done since Abraham up until this point, how God is the one who provided all of this for him and for them, that God is the one who has made it happen, 
uh, in spite of the people, that God is the one who won the battles, that God is the one who provided cities that, that, that they didn't build, that God provided vineyards that they didn't plant, fields they didn't plow. All of this was God's doing. And Joshua wants the people to remember this was all because of God's blessing. That's why they stand where they are right now. And it's a crossroads moment. And what's fascinating about this moment, what's interesting to me, is that though they, they're not facing another Pharaoh, they aren't facing the Red Sea on one side and the Egyptian army on the other side. They're not facing the hunger in the wilderness. They're not facing the Jordan River as they cross in. They're not facing the walled cities of Jericho. They're not facing these kings and armies that are hell-bent on destroying them. They have already conquered. So what are they facing in this moment? That's the question we have to ask. What are they facing in the moment? Here's what they're facing. The crossroads moment that they're facing right now is the daily grind. The daily living, the daily raising their family, the, 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 the daily nine to five. They're facing Tuesday at 9.23 in the morning, right? They're facing the daily living for God, the year after year. And, and Joshua is basically asking them, how are you going to live into this moment and every moment following? It, it's from here that Joshua is giving them a choice. I want to go back to the text and read it again. Here's what Joshua is saying to them. Now, therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, if you're unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You see, the people have a choice to make. God has put up with their insincerity and their lukewarm allegiance. He has provided all of this, but now is the time to, to choose. God is saying no more. Joshua is saying no more. You must decide which God are you going to serve. You can't hedge your bets. Choose. Choose now. If you're going to serve Yahweh, the great I am, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of Joseph, the God of Moses, the God of Joshua, if you're going to serve that God, then do it wholeheartedly. If you're not, then choose another God, whether it's the God, gods of your ancestors or the gods of Egypt or the gods of the nations that we have conquered. You have to decide. You have to choose who are you going to serve. Stop giving lip service to God and choose. Now, they choose, but then they renege later on, and we'll see the disastrous results of the, the people not fulfilling their promises to serve God in the next book of the Bible, Judges. It ends with chaos and destruction. You see, we all face crossroads decisions in our life. You know, sometimes I think it's easier to make those decisions when we're facing a, you know, a big rock in our way, a big decision. Sometimes those big decisions uh, are a little bit easier to make. But to me, the harder decisions to make are those daily decisions, to daily get up and say, I'm going to choose Jesus over my own will. Those are the harder decisions, the everyday getting up and making those decisions, those daily grind decisions. Will we serve Jesus or will we serve ourselves? That's what we have to decide every day. 
That's kind of the crossroads we stand out every day. And we see throughout the Gospels from moving from the Old Testament to the New Testament how everyone who encounters Jesus has to have this same crossroads decision. Jesus forces us to come face to face with who he claims to be. And we all have to decide, are we going to follow Jesus or not? Or are we going to make up our own stories about who Jesus is? And the decisions we make about Jesus, they make all the difference in the world. Is he who he claims to be or not? This is part of the crossroads decisions we face as a church and as a denomination. Because we have bishops and clergy who do not believe that Jesus is divine, that don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, that the the cross is really just a symbol and it doesn't mean anything other than that, that the words of Jesus are just good ideas and that he was a good man that we can follow or not, that any God will do as long as we are sincere. This is where we are as a denomination and as a church. And Joshua would say, you have to decide. Choose who you're going to serve. See, Jesus would say the same thing. We see in the Gospel of John specifically how Jesus forced his disciples to wrestle with the claims that he was making about himself. These aren't easy decisions. I'll I'll grant you that. The Apostle Thomas was at a crossroads moment when Jesus had been teaching the twelve. He didn't understand what Jesus was saying, and so he asked Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you are going, and how can we know the way? I love that question. It's such a great question. Uh, You've probably asked it yourself at times. God, I don't know where I'm going. Just show me the way. Show me the way. Show me where to go. Such a great question to ask Jesus. We don't know where we're going. Show us the way. And how does Jesus answer? This is how Jesus answers Thomas. He says this, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What a bold statement that is, right? I have yet to meet anyone in this world who who has claimed that and has said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to God except through me. That is a bold claim. Jesus is declaring that he isn't a way, that he isn't a truth, that he isn't a life. He is declaring that he is the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to God is through him. This is quite a claim. Even here, the disciples, they're barely able to grasp what Jesus is saying. And and they're kind of stuttering. They're looking at each other going, what in the world is happening here? And Philip, one of the other 12s, he he asked a follow-up question because he's like, "Uh, I don't even know what to say. He says, Jesus, just show us the Father and that will be enough. And here's how Jesus answers Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Trust me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Jesus knows the implications of following after him. He he will later declare, you know, if, if the world hates you, know that it hated me first. Jesus is basically saying, yeah, following me is not easy. It's going to be hard. The world will hate you. That's a part of the deal. He knows that following him isn't easy. But it's the only thing that matters. Everyone who encounters Jesus has to decide for themselves. You know, the story of the rich ruler that we find in the Bible highlights this decision point, this this crossroads. We find the story in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. 
Now, some of you know it, but if you remember the story, a rich Jewish man came to Jesus and he asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him that he had to keep the commandments of God. And the man was excited to say that. Yeah, he's done that since birth. And he asked, what else do I have to do? And here was a crossroads moment for this man. Jesus looks him directly in the eyes. And with compassion, and the text says, even with love, he tells him, go and sell all you have, give the proceeds to the poor, and follow after me. That's what you lack. Can you believe the audacity of Jesus to tell this man this? Jesus is basically telling this man, nothing else matters but me. I am worth everything. For those with ears to hear, can you hear that I am claiming to be God, that I am claiming to be the most important thing in heaven and earth, and that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we have to daily decide, who will we serve? Who is Jesus? Who will we be? The rich ruler decided that the cost wasn't worth it, and he went away sad. We have to make those same decisions. But I want to take us back to Joshua for a moment and remind you again of what he said to the people. Here again, Joshua. Now therefore revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now if you're unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is the crossroads moment we are at as a denomination and as a church. Each of us is going to have to decide who we will serve. Each decision has consequences, right? Uh, good and bad, but we just have to decide. We wish we didn't, but that's the way it is. God always forces us to decide are we going to follow him or not. And there are different ways that that uh, is implied. But I want us to... I want to invite you specifically to a time of prayer uh, and ask the question, who is Jesus? Is it worth following him? Who will we serve? Who am I in Christ? And so I'm going to invite us to bow our heads and pray. And I'm going to invite us also over the next several weeks to, to really be praying for the church specifically, First Methodist, our denomination as a whole, as we discern God's will for us in the future. Let's pray. Again, God, we thank you for your calling for us. And as we face this crossroads moment, we do have to decide who is Jesus and how will we follow him? Is he who he claims to be? Is he God? Has he been resurrected? Is he the way, the truth, and the life? Help us, Lord, to make those decisions and to not just give lip service to you. This is hard, Lord, but we want to do your will. Help us to be your people, to be faithful in all things. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Pray you go in peace this week. Blessings.